0: You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter. The Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast is presented by Savvis Learning Company. Welcome to our Moving Learning Forward series, where we'll be exploring important trends in the world of education and talking to experts who can offer the latest insights on personalized learning, student engagement, and maximizing your educational technology. In today's episode, we'll be exploring student engagement in the math classroom. I'm here with my colleague, Raya Kisesi, math strategist at Savas Learning. Raya, who do we have as our special guests today?
1: Hello, Walter, and welcome, listeners. We hear from teachers all the time that their favorite teaching moments are when students are engaged in the lesson and have the opportunity to witness their students' light bulb moments when they truly see the math. So today we are speaking with the experts and having more of those moments with authors of Classroom Ready Rich Math Tasks, Engaging Students in Doing Math, Beth mccord Cobet of Stevenson University, Francis Skip Fennell of McDaniel College, and Karen S. Carp of John Hopkins University. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Great to be here.
2: Thank you so much. We're so excited to be here.
3: Yes. Thank you for the invitations to share. Looking forward to it.
1: So let's dive right in. Today we're talking about rich math tasks. What are they? Why are they important? How can teachers plan to implement math tasks? Beth, let's start with you. So
2: this is a huge question to ask because, um, and it's a conversation that lots of teachers have um, about what is rich, but the idea that we're talking about today is something that That sounds rich, right? The opportunity for students to engage thoughtfully, explore reasoning, talk to each other, collaborate, explain their ideas, something that gets them excited about solution pathways, multiple solution pathways, and really focusing on this idea that the mathematics, it comes to the forefront as students are problem solving and reasoning through a task that's age-appropriate, developmentally appropriate, and so forth.
4: Another reason that they're very important is that we find that um, in a recent study, interestingly, of U.S. teachers, they found that almost 100% of them were using instructional materials that they developed or selected on their own. And what we feel in this um, conversation about tasks is that First of all, that can provide every kid in the in the same grade getting a very different experience uh, in a year. And the other thing is you can't be sure that that, in fact, is going to meet the standards well and progress well from one grade to the next. And this conversation focuses on how to pick not just something you Google or something that's on Teachers Pay Teachers, but in fact, something that is of high quality. And we'll be talking today about the important characteristics of the uh, looking for a task, presenting a task, assessing it, and uh, I'll let you know the others chime in here.
3: Yeah, let me add to that just a little bit. I mean, the the books uh, have a publication date of 2021, and we've seemingly been talking about this for at least five years. Um, It seems to me that people talk a lot about math tasks without any definition of what that looks like w- and without any connection to, you know, do I just grab the task and have my kids do it? Where does this fit into my planning and so forth? And so we very much um, wanted to do to do that to help define um, uh, how this works instructionally as well as provide tasks. So that was part of our thinking as well.
2: Also, for folks who are really interested in analyzing tasks or thinking about what tasks look like in terms of the level of demand, and we call it a cognitive demand. That's the demand that the cognitive demand that places on the students. And so a rich task is that students are doing math. We call it doing math tasks because the students are doing the math as opposed to the teacher doing the math, explaining all the math and then having students replicate it. And um, we, we do establish and, and refer to Smith and Stein's work of cognitive demands, ranging from lower demands to high demand tasks and really helping teachers and all of us have a conversation about so that we're having a common ground about what we think that means and what that looks like for a first grader or for a sixth grader. It can look a little bit different. Um, and what does that look like? Um, in terms of how students are doing the math and engaging with the mathematics that they're
4: learning? Well, the doing math piece um, is the the way we define it is is that students are really jumping in. They're really exploring and trying to understand uh, the nature of the problem. And it's not about algorithms. It's not about um, that kind of step-by-step-by-step approach. It's in fact, they are um, accessing prior knowledge to solve new, interesting tasks. And the tasks are really interesting, and that's important. And as Beth said, they require considerable cognitive effort. And this, this kind of level of um, thinking hard is not the
1: teacher thinking hard. It's the kids
4: thinking hard.
1: I love that. Thank you for sharing. And it's so true. And I think everybody on this call just said um, it's a conversation. There's so much to it, but thank you uh, for trying to define that for us here today. Uh, So I'm holding the classroom ready, rich math tasks for grades four through five. Each of the books are divided up by grade level. So there's a K one, a two, three and a four or five book. Why was it so important to divide each book up by grade levels? Skip, can you please start us off with how uh, your tools were created with each grade span in mind?
3: Sure. Um, a, a couple of things. We, we felt it was just important to provide classroom-based tasks that teachers could and actually would access and use. And so, you know, rather than, than providing something that was way beyond their grade level, we wanted it at least tailored to particular ranges of uh, grade levels. But but perhaps more importantly, you uh, is our conviction about the importance, as as Karen just said um, and Beth before her, uh, of, of students truly being engaged in the mathematics that they are learning, doing mathematics, and anybody who picks up and 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 uh, works through um, the task books uh, will see that our our conviction about having kids do the mathematics is is uh, so essential to their learning, um, but also important to us. And I alluded to this earlier, as we thought about actually putting these books together is, is that we didn't wanna just provide math tasks as I think Karen indicated, you can Google that. And by the way, you get a lot of junk when you do that. But, but yes, we wanted to have really good purposeful engaging math tasks. But this contribution is 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 more than that. It 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 includes a planning and learning framework for teachers to consider, um, as as they they look at the following elements. Certainly, the task itself, the related vocabulary and materials that teachers might uh, want students to have act to have access uh, to as they engage in the task, and then thinking about anticipating how you. We're going to use that. So the task preparation, uh, the task space lessons launch, um, and um, all that goes along with that, the facilitation, that is the instruction around that. And one of the elements of, of facilitation that I'll just take a, a minute to, to talk about is, okay, it's great, kids are involved in that, in, in the task, and they're engaged in, in, if you will, doing that mathematics, regardless of topic. Um, but how teacher, uh, are you using classroom-based formative assessment to monitor students' progress with the task? And how is such monitoring, whether you're using observation or uh, what we often refer to as a, as a show-me technique or a hinge question uh, to sort of think about, okay, this is where they are, and this is what's going to feed into my thinking for, if you will, the continuation of mathematics today or tomorrow or or perhaps uh, longer term. Um, Additionally, within within our um, task-based lesson format is is the importance of closing a lesson uh, with a particular emphasis on making the mathematics visible. And finally, an opportunity for for the teacher to record what what they saw post tasks uh, an opportunity to reflect on, if you will, how it went, and also, as I indicated earlier, to consider next steps instructionally. So so yes, these tasks will will surely engage students, but it's more than that in terms of our thinking about. Let's think about how you're using such tasks instructionally.
1: No, oh, it's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing those insights, Skip. I think that the more engaging, the more memorable. Um, I think that's, that's wonderful. So um, how can a teacher gauge if when a math task is rich, is there a mental checklist of components that you use to ensure students are getting the opportunity to do the math? Karen, your thoughts?
4: Actually, we have such a checklist it's very handy. And so I'll share some of the components uh, the first the first item on our checklist is, does it connect to important mathematics content and mathematical practices? And that's what teachers need to do. That's their number one piece. And again, in a national study, they found recently that there is a very large proportion of teachers who are not using uh, curriculum materials that are aligned with the standards. And so this was kind of a revolting development. And that's, that's number one on our checklist. Make sure it matches what you need to be doing as far as your state standards and the mathematical practices or processes that are important. Uh, the second, second checklist item is, does it build on or connect to important mathematical understanding? So can you link it back to what students already know? Is it taking them, as Skip was saying, to what's next? Is it where are we in that process and does this task help along that route? So that was the second one. The next one, which we kind of alluded to already, is does it provide multiple solution pathway? If the task is only leading to a single answer, that doesn't fit our bill. And so what we want is several different ways that they could try different strategies and come up with different approaches to reach a solution. Um, Another one that we've again mentioned, but I want to highlight again on the checklist is does the task engage your students in doing math? And by doing, we mean acting, you know, with manipulative materials on occasion, sketching, writing equations, but we also mean doing math in your head. And so that you are thinking about the mathematical ideas, watching how they play out. How do you apply them in different circumstances? So that's this doing math just resonates throughout the whole book. And the last one on our special checklist is, does a task require higher level thinking and reasoning? And if, if we don't have a task that offers that as an option, then we're not going to be taking children where they need to go. And so that's a very big, important piece. And the tasks in, in the books that we're talking about meet all five of these checks on this list.
2: Um, I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is we have been looking at these tasks and, and engaging in conversations with teachers and even pre-service educators, pre-service teachers, is this idea of looking at something that looks good Oh, that looks like so much fun they're gonna have a blast right and but when fun does not equate necessarily to a a good rich task where students are doing mathematics so we also have to keep in mind how we may be swayed by a particular kind of activity that that looks like it will engage students but the kind of engagement is really the key factor here. So when we look at this checklist that Karen just outlined, thinking through, they can absolutely have a wonderful time. We want them to have a wonderful time. We want them to develop their identities as mathematicians and good thinkers and, of mathematics. But we also want to make sure that it's really solid um, math there, not just having a blast, you know, rearranging Skittles or M and M's or whatever kind of thing that looks like fun but is not necessarily heavy, um, thoughtful mathematics.
3: Yeah, let me just chime in. I mean, it seems to me that you know, in the period of time that we worked on all three of these, there there was uh, an ongoing sense of. Uh, checking out, if you will, the task that was considered. Um, as Beth said, yeah, it looks like fun, but frankly, so what? How does it match up with important mathematics? How does it match up with where you might be going next um, and so forth? Again, Karen's uh, comment now a couple times about people selecting materials with without any verification, without any validity and so forth. So We wanted to get away from that and into here's here's a task that we know might be interesting or fun or it's a great context. But it also it goes somewhere instructionally, um, which is very important.
2: Something fun that might well, something that might be interesting for our for listeners is this idea of bringing your the last five things that you did in your math class the last week or or just randomly select your three favorite math lessons that you teach. And take a look at the task. Take a look at the checklist and have a conversation. What led you to believe or feel that that was really good? What did you see students doing that really excited you about how they were thinking? What kinds of mathematics was revealed? Because often it's not just one standard, but other standards that are connected. So have a conversation about Those lessons and those tasks that do these things and and those that don't so that you can have a really good barometer for your own um, planning purposes and your own design purposes about what's going on in your own classroom.
3: Sort of following up with that. Okay, how were they involved? How were the kids involved in doing that? That lesson that you suggest, were they involved as a full class, were they involved in small groups, were they involved in pairs and so forth? And, and what of those ways to get students together in a variety of ways and or use representations or whatever may have may contribute to to them, if you will, first of all being engaged and also doing the mathematics that you know they're learning.
4: The other thing is is it's pretty apparent that teachers want these tasks, but it's not that easy to find them sometimes. Right. And to be frank, um, we know curriculum writing is not that easy. And so doing that and finding those tasks is very complicated. And that was was the whole purpose when Beth had this initial idea about compiling great tasks for teachers, was to totally help them locate them, wrap around the task all the things that they needed to know about it without them having to you know, come to those decisions and supporting them to how this task relates to the next one. And so, you know, we, the whole goal of these books is to help teachers have an easier time with their job and to do good work with kids that will make lasting changes in the way they understand mathematics. And I think that um, this focus on tasks is for sure the way to go.
1: Thank you. And I think our listeners are going to be so appreciative of direct next steps and then access to a purposeful, well-thought-out checklist. So thank you. Um, When creating the detailed plans, especially in the notes section on access and equity, focusing on students' strengths and their productive struggles, and also alternative learning environments, you state that you wrote with a strength based lens and attentiveness to all students. Can you provide more details on this lens and how it altered how you created those lessons? Uh, Beth, we'll start with you.
2: Sure, so this was really exciting. This opportunity to not only develop tasks and, and we had amazing task writers test the tasks, but also to imagine how we were going to create accessible tasks. So a good accessible task does all these things that you just said. It looks at student strengths and it allows all students to participate. And so we wanted to take a look at what is it about the task or about a question that I'm getting ready to ask that lifts up the strengths of the students. Maybe it's a solution pathway that the teacher did not anticipate. Maybe it is something they did anticipate, but they want to make sure they lift up. Maybe it's a particular representation that is super cool that they can highlight. And it really, the idea here is that when you do a rich task, all students get to participate and do the math. When we do something that's maybe less accessible that I want everybody to just repeat, you'll notice it. You won't have that high engagement. So the idea is that we were going to lift up the strengths of the students, but we're also going to help all of us look for those strengths. And by strengths, we don't mean just great job, that was a cool idea, but more about that representation that you just made is a great strategy for mathematicians, and here's why. Or this is a, a ratio table is a fabulous idea, and not a lot of people think about it right away, Why? Let's let's talk about why a ratio table is such a cool idea for you to be using right now as a mathematician. And this is where it's going. So really helping students attend to their strengths as mathematicians, supporting their identity, which again, in turn, supports access and equity. And so we really focused on helping teachers plan for that, number one, because, you know, if we don't plan for things, then It's just kind of what happens in the classroom. But when we plan to say something specific in the lesson or ask a specific question, we do a much better job making sure all students are valued for their mathematical thinking.
3: Yeah, I think this was a... A particular contribution um, we felt that providing uh, opportunities for teachers to, to to literally think about and every day consider, and I'll just I'll just name them access and equity, the importance of productive struggle, alternative learning environments, for example, online learning, and strength spotting, was was frankly much more than a placeholder. In other words, it's a daily reminder for you to think about those aspects. Of teaching and learning every single day, as opposed to, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this this Friday or whatever. It's something that's that's out there. So, in our sense, uh, these opportunities are essentials for planning teaching and and also for formative assessment. Um, every day you implement a task.
1: Awesome, and and listeners, I know you can't see our authors. But their smiles are huge when talking about this topic. You can certainly hear it in Beth's voice. Karen is nodding, and Skip held up a resource, and I think I saw him do a little happy dance. Uh,
3: so uh, they're really. I used to out. actually. I used to be able to dance. I used to be able to do. It. I had moves.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very fun fact. I <laughs> will have to do a webinar next time. Well, they, <laughs> they, can, they can both validate what I just said. What I
3: held up is a very important resource. It's entitled Strength-Based Teaching and Learning in Mathematics, Teaching Turnarounds for Grades K-6. Through It happens to be authored by Beth McCord, Cobet, and Karen S. Carp. So so the strength spotting and the focusing on strengths within these task books certainly comes from some of the original thinking that these two um, colleagues have provided.
4: And Beth and I can talk about deficit learning just a little bit here. Um, we can go back and forth a little um, where, you know, we notice that, you know, as teachers and in teacher prep, we often teach teachers to look for every mistake and look at all the problems that kids have and what are they missing and all that. When we have thought that it's better, you can't really make much instruction from what their mistakes could be you can you can title the instruction and say it's about addition and fractions, but you can't really say what to do next. But Beth and I believe that by looking at their strengths, that's the place where you can really build from. What do you think, Beth?
2: Well, of course, I love this so much, and um, teachers tell us uh, how much it has changed the ways they look at their students. And instead of looking at their students and looking across the classroom and saying, I got to fix that. I got to fix that. I got to fix that. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do about that? They look at their students with a curiosity and appreciation for the humans they are and the cool ways that they think, um, which is often unexpected and not the ways that we think, but the ways that we can draw. We can make a bridge from the way they think to um, the mathematics they're learning. And it and it also helps all of us give much better feedback to students instead of saying great job or funneling them into the way we want them. Or uh, a lot of my pre-service teachers use the word guide, which kind of scares me sometimes, you know, guide does guide mean tell what do you mean by guide, but this idea that if I just keep asking really good questions. And thinking about the ways that students are thinking and reasoning about it and exploring more about their thinking instead of making assumptions about their deficits, I can do a much better job in helping them uh, learn the mathematics, not only learn the mathematics, but retain it
1: and make those important connections. I love your passion about these topics and I had had so much fun today. So thank you all for sharing your expertise. I've certainly learned about the importance of facilitating meaningful math tasks, but having students do the hard part, right? Um, I appreciate the time that we've had together. Karen, thank you so much. It was absolutely great to be here today. Thank you. And Beth, thank you as well. Thank you. I loved every minute. And Skip, thank you very much.
0: It was great. Enjoyed it.
1: Wonderful. Walter, back to you.
0: That's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to all of our guests for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. This Moving Learning Forward series is presented by Savvis Learning Company, a next-generation learning company providing award-winning solutions for grades pre-K through 12. Classroom-ready, rich math tasks. Engaging students in doing math is available for purchase on major platforms. We encourage you to request a free Envision Mathematics Take and Teach resource from your Savvis account manager, where students engage in meaningful math through Envision STEM projects, three-act math modeling, and let's investigate lessons. Visit Savvis.com today to request pre-K through 12 curriculum samples for your school or district. And you can keep the conversation going by following us on social media at Savvis Learning, with hashtag moving learning forward.